Hello and welcome to the Three Plain Sports Podcast. Just three plain guys from the Great Plains talking a lot of sports, some sports betting, and maybe doing a little drinking along the way. I am your host and producer Dylan, joined by two guys in a bidding war for Jose Altuve's 2023 Grand Slam jersey. First, friend of the homeless, our Twitter manager, and judge, jury, and executioner for Thieves of Burnett's Vodka, Colin. Good evening. Finally, thoroughly enjoying his hand-tossed pizza even more so than the pan crust when he's not indulging in some good old-fashioned social media amateur country music, fantasy football quitter and White Sox baseball scheduling fan, Sam. Thank you, Dylan. <laughs> uh, so we're going to get started in the pregame where I pick some news items after uh, we had a rousing off-microphone talk about uh, granola bars and childhood snacks. Uh, you guys missed out. Uh, donate to the Patreon page, and maybe we'll we'll clue you in on some of that stuff. Uh, not that one exists yet, but maybe someday. Um, so I picked some news items. This one is very baseball heavy and also kind of Astros heavy. Uh, not because anything that interesting, but because they actually had some of the good and fun news this week. Uh, so the first one, uh, unfortunately, the Astros were pussies and deleted this tweet. But uh, after a blowout win over the athletics this past weekend uh the astros like their professional twitter you know account sent a tweet saying 10 runs in front of tens of fans because this was at uh in oakland that's good stuff uh deserved they they did take that down uh which i get you can't do that if you're a professional sports organization so uh but just uh Cluing that into some more athletics news, uh, I had. Hold on, where did I? Fuck, did I miss that? Did I forget to put that in there? Uh, you can oh, find yeah, it, no, Dylan. No. And I'll, I'll jump in for a second. Say that reminds me of actually the. I, I, I'm sure there's been others, but the only other instance I can recall of a sports franchise, like a, a American pro sports franchise, having to delete a tweet that was in bad taste was another Houston team, as a matter of fact, in the Rockets. I also thought, just like the Astros, they were pussies for doing it, but they eliminated the Mavs in the playoffs sometime in the Harden era, I think, uh, maybe 2016-ish. I, I really don't know for sure, but they tweeted like right as the series. I think they, they were beating the shit out of them in the elimination game, and the Rockets tweeted... Uh, it's okay, it'll all be over soon with like a, a couple of emojis. It was before they changed the gun emoji to a water gun. So they had the real <laughs> gun, and they had a horse for the Maverick, because apparently there's some, some degree of connection there in like the the meaning of the Maverick's name. And anyway, basically, just that they were putting them down, and they got some backlash over that, had to delete it. And I haven't heard of anything <laughs> since until their uh, crosstown buddies, the Houston Astros, apparently got in on the same fun. But I endorse it. Uh, so I can't remember if this is – well, I, let's tie this into some other news here. So uh, the what do you think the Padres might be tied with the A's for right now? Who wants it? Times employing Bob Melvin. Uh, maybe, but uh, I was thinking more baseball statistics more than anything. Uh, tied for ooh, run not not run differential. I know that's not right. Run scored. No, there. Well, that might also be true, but they are tied Shut for out. last in batting averages. Ah, in shit. Twenty twenty three team batting average. Uh, the Padres and the A's are tied for last place. 
And uh, speaking of last place, Sam, do you know what the White Sox are dead last in? Ooh, would it be walks? On base percentage. Okay. <laughs> not too far <laughs> off of there. Sort right? of, yeah, heavily ties in. Something tells if me they're not too high up on walks. Yeah, because I was going to say, if they're not last on batting average, but have lowest OBP, I, I, yeah. I can guess what fills the gap there. Uh, but they... During one of these uh, Astros-A's games, uh, the normal uh, TV color commentator for the Astros was out. I think he was had like a kid's graduation or something. They mentioned it on Lucky one of the you. other TV broadcasts. Uh, I got to have Jeff Bagwell, uh, former Astros great and current front office consultant, you know, steroid era first baseman, hell of a hitter, uh, was filling in for Jeff Bloom, and he. <sighs> Three, there are three things here. He has acted like he's never been on TV before, uh, like he's never seen baseball before, and certainly like he's never played baseball before in this appearance on TV. So, first of all, there's just several instances in which, like, the uh, the announcer had to, like, clarify rules to him, even though he's working in a baseball front office. It's like, no, no, that that didn't hit the back wall. That's not a free double. It bounced off the grass first. That's not a free double. And it's like, yeah, he caught that. It's like, oh, he's got to throw it all the way across the field. It's like, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't, Jeff. The rules have changed. It's not the same anymore. Uh, and then also he had music playing on his phone accidentally, like in the background <laughs> on a hot mic during the <laughs> during the during the broadcast live God. on TV on AT&T Sportsnet. <laughs> That's I respect brutal. it. <laughs> it was kind of funny, but I, I don't think he's going to be uh, invited back anytime soon. Like they have, <laughs> they have better people they could have. Um, and then one last piece of Astros news, just because it, it's kind of kind of interesting. Uh, Martin Maldonado, a career two hundred batter, and he's doing about the same this year as well. Uh, became the sixty ninth nice ever player to hit a home run against all thirty MLB teams this past weekend. Dude, if you told me that someone this year did it, I I don't know if I would have ever guessed, even if you got me to the team. In his defense, he's like 36, 37, so he's had lots of time to amass those home runs. I mean, yeah, no shit, but it must be the only fucking thing he's ever doing when he hits the ball. But like, it's it's kind of it's kind of tough actually because you have to go play. I mean, you have to have a long career in the AL and then a long career in the NL now, or uh, or you just be good when you're in both, or you're on a team that makes the switch at one point, like the Astros did. Although I don't think Maldonado was on the team when they made the switch from the NL to the AL, but. Um, yeah, uh, it's 69th player ever to do that, which I figured there would have been more, but I guess not because a lot of the scheduling rules have changed in the last decade, two decades, where it was probably impossible before unless you were hitting home runs in the World Series against the last team you needed. You needed. So, Yeah, no, you're going to see probably a bit more of that now with where you play every team, I think, every other year now, or you play a home-and-home home every other year with them, so you play every team. That, I can't remember exactly what they changed it to, but it's something like that. So, one last thing, and I didn't give you guys a chance to prepare for this, but I know we've talked, Colin especially has talked about relegation of the Oakland A's. Is there a triple, like, if we just completely reshuffled all the minor league teams again, like we did a couple of years ago, um, would the Oakland, if the Oakland A's got relegated, do you think there's a, tri- like, 
you don't have to know there's a triple a team out there do you think there's a triple a team that could come up and be a major league team in the place of the oakland athletics i i i mean probably not because they won't be well-rounded enough but whoever has the deepest system at this exact moment or like has you know the highest rated farm system give them like fucking two three years and they will you know because assuming there's if they inherited the double a and you know sub sub teams of the team that they're a part of i could see them something being put out that's moderately respectable more as respectable as the a's if not better so and we'll even throw in brent rucker probably the only yeah. lone bright spot on that a's team the a's are just auditioning for their next job at this point yeah fucking loriano i bet gets dealt if he stays healthy to some decent team because my god i if i'm on the a's and no one's getting a paycheck with the a's well like, i heard i heard loriano is the only one who could be dealt for value because because he, because he is being paid more than like the minimums yeah well there's him and then maybe paul blackburn who just yeah. i think made his first appearance of the year and was i feel like respectable enough last year to maybe earn a fucking trip out the fuck of oakland but my god man that that sh- i i don't i don't even want to go down that route because they're so fucking pathetic there's not even enough words to really just say how pathetic they are and i feel bad for the players because they're not put in a position to succeed Alrighty, and that's what I had for the pregame. That's enough A's and Astros talk for now. Uh, let's move on to something I like to call slow pitch, fast pitch, where uh, actually this week I've thrown it over to Colin because he was so excited to come up with his own takes for once. Um, it's really easy to do your first time. It gets a lot harder like 29 episodes in. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but slow pitch, fast pitch is where, uh, in this case, Colin – throws sam and i each a sports take one is the supposed to be the slow pitch where it's an easier buy uh, maybe easier to agree with and then one is supposed to be the fast pitch which is supposed to be more of a hot take um sam and i have one but not the other uh so we get to formulate an opinion and we have uh ahead of time on one and we have to formulate an opinion on the other on the fly so uh why don't you go ahead and take us away colin by the way i think i have the fast pitch Sam, what do you think? I was going to say I think I have the slow pitch, but I still came here to shit on it. I, you, Sam, you do have the slow pitch, although as I was saying to Dylan, I think right as you joined the group, that I think it is arguably like a Zach Granke, Kyle Hendricks-esque fastball where it's like not super slow, but it's definitely not up to speed. But the slow pitch this week... ERA should be restructured for relievers to take more credit for inherited runners. Sam. Uh, I mean, like, I, I almost don't know where to start with this. Like, to me, this, I, I'm going to sell, I guess, is where is where to start with this. To me, this just tells me that you're, you're not, like, looking, I guess, a layer or two deeper into the millions of baseball stats that are being tracked and recorded all the time like i I don't see how like era 
ERA is just yeah, he's one not piece pulling of spreadsheets on his lunch. He's saying he's saying that, which is shameful shit, Colin. But uh, like, I, I mean, how do you restructure ERA? Like, ERA is what it is. It's just one piece of the puzzle. There's plenty of there. There are stats for like inherited runner scoring percentage rates like that. There's WHIP, which is a fairly like surface level pitching stat at this point, but I think probably tells a better story of like who you can bring in in a jam and then expect to maybe get out of it based on not allowing hits and walks, obviously, which is what you're trying to avoid. Um, there would also have to be some degree of nuance like figured into this supposed restructure of ERA to account for, like, if you're going to penalize a pitcher for allowing an inherited runner on third to score with nobody out versus, like, an inherited runner on first with two outs or something like that. It would to be something. So it would be, be something. I don't have the perfect – yeah, you don't, because there, cause there isn't one. I, th- I think you would be basically arbitrarily just changing a, a, what is currently a very fundamental and simple calculation when you could look at a million other stats or splits to get the information you're looking for. And I, I, I could get on board with the take that like maybe some of these stats should become like a little bit more like publicized, I guess, or like when a reliever comes in, you know, the network just shows here's his ERA, and like I'm saying, that's not really that helpful of information so, necessarily but like you can't really just fuck with ERA and you yeah, can't so dive into splits like literally you can look at, at pitchers in specific situations like how does this pitcher do with inheriting one runner two runners one out two outs all this shit like is basically ba- baseball exists in a, a big ass spreadsheet like the entire history of the game so like you can you can do anything like that. so when yeah, Phil I, May so when uh <laughs> So when Phil Maton comes in to really branded Belock or whoever tonight, uh, when he leaves the bases loaded, you're telling me that when the, when the next guy comes up and hits a grand slam, that all counts against Phil Maton? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think it's, it, would, it would be something a little weirder than that where you would have to figure out situational stuff. But if I'm there's sure a, a saber runner... metric exists for that already. Yeah, and and so yes, Sam, do I think you're right? But I think we, you know, we follow the sport more than a casual fan does. And I think that you, like, if you're a casual fan and you're like, oh, he's got like a one, you know, a two point five ERA, and he's that... just letting every single inherited runner in. How like, does that fit it... into quality starts? <laughs> <laughs> We've got some serious uh, amateur sabermetricians on this podcast for sure. But, and Colin, but so I describing Colin to me is a statistical anomaly. Like if you have a guy, if you have an e- a, a reliever come in and put up a two five ERA three four years in a row, he's not going to be letting all these inherited runners score. Like maybe he is slightly worse in situationally versus other guys who are roughly at his well, skill level. But if, like, if money even ball though taught those us runs anything. aren't factoring in, he's not going to go out there and suck every time there's guys on base and just be nailed. Oh, yeah, but he – I mean, he could be like a mop-up guy pretty much that, you know, doesn't – I, I, I see what you're saying, but if a runner is on first with two outs and fucktard gets brought in to, you know, clean up or just relieve the situation, the – probability of scoring a run from zero uh decreases from zero on zero outs eight to nine percent and dipshit if he lets up a bomb or you know can't fucking piece it together i don't think that the starting pitcher should be credited for a full run there i feel like i feel like it's a lot harder and and like i said i think and era is heavily i feel like you know publicized for cy young all this shit like when you look at awards, like 
I'm not saying the actual voters put in the base stats, but it just becomes a dipshit argument online as well, where it's like, well, he had a lower ERA. I mean, Cy Young's got nothing to do with relievers, though, at this point. Oh, I know, but, like, you know, it's just the ERAs can be argued, but it's like, hey, maybe if DeGrom puts up, you know, his good-ass outings like he used to when he could stay healthy, but say he leaves a runner on when they finally pull him in the eighth and he's gotten zero run support. Like, I think think it's... I I feel... I I I mean, yeah, but also that reliever should maybe, you know, do his job a bit better as well. I don't have the exact. I don't have the statistics on this. So Sam, if you know something that I don't, let me know. But I feel like statistically, it's a lot harder to get on base than it is to advance once you're on base already. Like once you've once you've taken your base, it's a lot easier to advance than it is to, you know, get on base. Yeah, in the I mean, place. at least it's it's tangibly easier to advance. I mean, because you can advance runners, obviously. So on, like, like sacrifice plays, fielder's choice, stuff like that. Uh, I mean, there's but, just but, not so, going to so, be a perfect but, metric for this kind of well, thing. No, yeah, exactly. no, I don't, I don't have a perfect is, solution, but I sort letting, of thought letting the letting the letting the batter get on base is more than half the battle, right? So he's won more than half the battle at that point. Him getting him crossing home, the the runner hitting crossing home plate at that point is just to be expected if you have somebody on base. I'm, but not really, because then the next pitcher coming in also has to not allow hits. I mean, sack fly, so it's almost, this is not the perfect solution I have involved. It would take a lot more than that. And I, I've never said this was like a super good take. I think That's this is the slow pitch better. a bit for a reason. I, you do look at that, but like how many people, now. how many people that are at a baseball game can tell you what that means? Well, it is. And I'm not is, saying you have, but it's catering can. a little. If you're trying to grow the game, half the people at a baseball game don't know what what an earned run is versus oh versus just oh. But I mean, like, if if you're talking about cater to the casual fan, you're taking an extremely fundamental stat ERA that is literally just arithmetic of like runs times the like like runs over, over innings essentially. Uh, or per nine innings, and you're going well. Let's like start putting you know analytical weights on inher- inherited runners and shit like that. And you're going well. It's because who at a baseball game can tell you what WHIP stands for? Nobody's gonna be able to tell you what the fuck ERA is either. Whip, if you yeah. if you decide to just completely up, I feel like ERA is a pretty is, basic stat. It is that's the point. Re- just like batting average, you don't restructure it. So okay, okay. Here, here, here's here's the perfect thing. So we have like at WHIP is now mainstream enough that at a uh, minor league baseball game, they put it up on the pitcher screen, right? They, they will tell you his ERA, and then now they started telling you his whip on the like the big screen, you know? And that's, like, the only stats you get. It's the same thing for batters where you get uh, batting average on base percentage and in a lot of places. I saw this at a Royals game, and I've seen this at a Wichita Wind Surge game. Well, they, you will get the, um, the on-base plus slugging. Which is becoming more and more mainstream. That's the same thing. That, that's like the whip for a batter, basically. Yeah, I just, I just also Not think, quite, but you like know, you on know. on a base level, like the accreditation of like ERA, and obviously there's bigger stats than that, and inherited runners, all that. I think there should be more impact put like on the relievers from a basic statistical measure, like simple statistical measure. I mean, we do Dude, thirds of innings getting dealt a shit hand like, i mean yeah but you should know that michael fulmer couldn't handle cases 
But, like, Michael Fulmer comes on with fucking in the eighth inning with a runner on first two outs and fucking lets up a nuke on the first pitch because he's unable to do his job. His ERA should be even more inflated. So you're like, telling me when they have to take J.P. Really, France out. And the, beat. Yeah, you're, you're telling me when they have to take out J.P. France in the third inning because he's just fucking up all that all day. Hector Neris has to come in and take all of those runners he left on base. And no, not all of it. I think no, it, it it would it would be pretty convoluted. I don't have the exact thing, but it would be like you know how they do thirds of innings recorded. It'd be like having you know point one six seven. It, like, Dude, you the... would see the shit get beaten out of, like, shitty starting pitchers <laughs> if you made this change by the good relievers. But, like, <laughs> but why Why is the starting pitcher fully responsible for, like, a runner in, as I said, I think the really— He's but not fully responsible. He's responsible for, for he, putting them on base. But it still reflects in his statistics. ER, it, it's it more than 50% of the responsibility. In that statistic. It doesn't reflect in every statistic. There's plenty of statistics that if exist. That, exactly. So you, you don't take the, the, the main one that everyone knows and like completely rework the formula of it because Michael Fulmer pissed you the fuck off some random you know, night. I, I think that was a perfectly fine take because I think there are many situations where the re- and, and and it's because it's just a well-known base stat that it should have like like it should be easy i mean it's already easy to understand that's not what i mean but like you're not there should be some metric ever yeah that i mean i never said i had a solution but i think there definitely should be more like if a reliever comes in and just shits down his leg in a situation that should be more favorable to him then why, like, he should take more of the brunt of it, Well, you know, right? his whip's going to take a hit because if, if he's letting other players on base, if somebody else is... Well, yeah, but, st- I mean, his whip's going to be the same <laughs> no matter what. No, his whip won't change if he allows that inherited runner on first. That doesn't change well, no, from but him had, letting a guy he, on base. He had to increase his whip to let somebody, oh, or whatever. He, yeah, he but, yeah, no, but it was going to change. That was going to... But that was going to change the same no matter what if he let a runner on. Yeah, but him shitting good. down his leg and letting runners that, st- like, probability-wise, are at a lower percentage of scoring than zero on zero outs okay, so should have ex- some more credit for it. This is an extreme example. But if I have starting pitcher Sam and he lets up, uh, let's say, in the f- he goes through, like, five five and a third innings or something and lets nine hits right and he leaves the bases loaded when coach dylan pulls him out and i'm sam don't worry i'll beep out your last name i forgot about that uh when coach yeah, dylan you should have just called him, him by out, his legal name when when coach dylan pulls sam out because he left the bases loaded and fucking jordan alvarez is coming up to the plate i put in colin because i'm like well, I, you know what? Somebody's got to get, you know, Colin's a righty, so he's got more of a chance against Jordan Alvarez. Well, and uh, That's not even know. true. Let's <laughs> pretend I'm a lefty for your situation at least. <laughs> Actually, Jordan hits really well against lefties. but uh, So I put Colin in, and so Colin throws one pitch and 
and just Jordan Alvarez blows it out of the park like it's it's landed in the bay in San Francisco, you know. And uh, call and so now Colin has to take the brunt of all four of those hits for throwing not one all. Pitch. No, 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 no. It'd be like that would be something where it's like he earns one point two five or one point five earned runs for that. I, again, don't have it perfectly measured out, but it'd be an like there would be more responsibility within this situation. And I didn't have it totally fucking figured out, but I did look at your expected number of runs based on one run scoring with first on with two outs second on with two outs you know and like obviously that number increases but at a certain point there definitely should be more base stat level reflection of a reliever just you know coming in in a favorable situation and still shitting down his leg and there are you know inherited runner stats and all that exist but, like, yeah, you have to go to fucking MLB.com and then go hit advanced stats to do it. Like, there should be some base level of, like, shown significance of how shitty he is in some situations like that. And earned run average, I think, is the outlet to do that. Or you could set up a power automate every uh, Monday morning to run when you get to work, and it'll pull all the stuff you want to see off of baseball reference in the morning. Yeah, uh, you do you, Dylan. I do plenty of things. That is definitely me, so I can't criticize, but that is something. See, Colin, it's not so fun being on the other side of the takes now, is it? I mean, it was the slow pitch, at least for the reason. I went easy on you and didn't call it Special Olympics. You know, I don't don't think it is that Special Olympy of a take. Well, no, that was a fast pitch. That wouldn't be special. That wouldn't be a t-ball take. No, that was that was that was, that was that no. Was he, he's pretty much calling it brain dead. Oh, that I was, am, yeah, but that was because that was, that was anyway. That was, that was, that was yeah. That, that was too hot to be like. Colin would have been banned from coach pitch for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm throwing a perfect pitch. game in coach pitch. <laughs> a couple of HPPs <laughs> breaking that one up. <laughs> no hitter intact. <laughs> All right. The, we'll move to fast pitch, which I think is a legitimately good take, and Dylan did say this is a good take, so if he tries to crucify me here, I'm going to be a little bitter. I, I will feast. No, I don't think you will. All right, so the fast pitch. NIL will lead to more college baseball players staying rather than risking the minors, or it'll at minimum create minor league pay restructure. Okay, so I did think this was an interesting take and well thought out, uh, but I am going to sell this one immediately. Like, it, it's a hot take. I'm not. I don't agree with this one either. Um, there's there's so much to to unpack here. Uh, let's start with if you would have started this with college basketball or college football and sort of instead of college baseball, I would have a hundred percent agreed with this take even if it is a little hot because there are there are players who are going to take you know football and basketball players who are going to take their chances with one more year in their respective sport to one develop better and two if they're looking at being a draft you know a high draft pick in either of those leagues uh then they are you know they um god where was i going with that but whatever they're making enough money at that point with their nil deals at college where it's not that big of a difference. Like they're still, they're still living really well with their NIL deals. I tried to look up what, you know, high, uh, high talent college baseball players are making for NIL. And I can't really find any data for it. Maybe I didn't look hard enough, 
but it's not like you hear where Quinn Ewers was making a million dollars before he ever stepped foot onto a onto a football field. The best college baseball players aren't making that much for NIL. I feel like their NIL deals are like advertising deals with that have like a a commission, not a commission, like a partner component where, okay, if you get so many likes on this, then we'll pay you this much. Or you can go get like a free sandwich from your local sandwich shop because they named a sandwich after you and put your name on the banner. Some of these guys maybe are getting a car, but I don't think anybody's making, I won't say five figures because that's a wide range. I doubt a single baseball, a single college baseball player is making six figures unless Colin has evidence to the contrary so that that's that's the first part right college baseball is not a big enough deal the second part is if players know they're going to be like a top 100 draft pick or really close to it then it doesn't matter what they're making in college because they know they're going to get a good deal any player that's outside of that top 100 they have a hard decision to make no matter what because um, if you're outside of the first few rounds let's say the first five or so rounds nothing's a you know nothing is 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 a done deal at that point you could spend the rest of your life in single a ball and get out after a few years and find out okay i'm not going to be a major league player ever but the thing about the mlb draft is you can get drafted talk about your deal like negotiate a deal turn it down and still maintain your eligibility so i feel like any player who's not a top 100 or, or at the very most a top five draft pick in the mlb draft is probably just going if they think they have a chance or have eligibility left they're probably just going back to college anyway and you know taking that extra developmental year thinking okay maybe i can increase my draft stock by a couple of rounds maybe i can become that top 100 player by working on my batting working on my fielding or trying to add some velocity on his pitches college is where you get a chance to do that you know i mean you're still looking at a situation in which we take guys out of high school they don't even touch a college field they don't touch nil money they're immediately being signed and being sent to a a single a team and that's just their life hopefully they make it far you know they make it far enough to make it all worth it um there's a lot that i disagree with i think it's a, a a fun and interesting take but i don't see it so I, I think you, your example between the college football and college basketball, I think, are a little more actually counterintuitive to what I was thinking, um, because those have much shorter amount of draft. You know, there's a much smaller amount of picks made, which you sort of know where you will end up if you're going to be drafted or not. I mean, there is obviously a fair amount of undrafted on that, but there's also at least in football more stipulations to get to the draft uh college basketball obviously there's not and even in, in mlb there's even less where you can obviously draft out of high school no problem you don't have that minimum one year after high school um and that take i think is more pertaining to the later rounds where you're able to get your guys that are maybe risking class a for that paycheck yes but now with nil even if you're gonna be a late Those draft pick, you're probably any nil money I mean, nowadays it feels like anyone in any sport is getting some sort of guaranteed NIL money. Uh, well, but that's like, of of the major like three sports. When you look at football, uh, baseball, uh, wait, and yeah, basketball, I I am willing to bet that college baseball players per you know per capita are probably. And I don't have the stats to back this up, so I could be sticking my foot in my mouth. I bet they're making less per capita than say call like women's college basketball and women's college volleyball you know for like your power five conferences at least 
Because I'm willing to agree with that. I mean, I don't know, but I'd agree. I I don't know. Like, where's this money coming from? Like, all dude, there's like how how many starting players, and there's a lot of programs no one gives a fuck about. How many starting O linemen on college football teams do you think are making like major NIL deals? I feel like a lot of them have food deals because that's just kind of cool and it's fun and it's good advertising and they're getting paid, but they're not. I. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I don't think they're they're bringing in 50k from NIL deals unless they're, you're like a highly recruited lineman. There but are it, programs, so I, I think say, part... in, in football, sorry, calm. In in football, there are programs. At least there has been rumors of shit like I think literally OU. I've heard supposedly that they have a fund that like like basically there's a a base salary of 50k on the OU football team now. Like if you at least for scholarship, I believe that might include walk-ons. I don't know, but that is all just from NIL collective that kind of shit. I don't know if that's the case everywhere. I'm sure there's places where it's more than that, um, and and obviously tons of places where it's less if nothing at all. But I just don't see like obviously with OU football, there is a ton of money in and around that program coming in, coming out all the time. That's not the case with most baseball programs, or you know uh, most baseball athletes like i just don't know where this money is going to come from these collectives are, are not shelling out for non-revenue sports like yeah no like, i i get that i don't i don't or lsu unless you're sec unless you're maybe the top half of the sec in baseball then i can see yeah. where colin might have colin's take might have some weight if you're in the top half of the sec in baseball and maybe the top two in the big 12 top three yeah i i see what you're saying i just think you're already, like, as you said, these players are probably maybe still staying if they're in a later draft, and there's still 20 rounds in the MLB draft, where almost potentially from 10 on, how much are you willing to risk it? And it almost makes it easier to say no to that potential bit of money you're going to get on a signing bonus, thus leading to a, like, with less options, like, with more options now to make at least some money. Um, while in college for NIL, it may not be a crazy amount. Never said it was. There might be more. There may be more guys that are willing to take that secure money, knowing that they may never get like a second contract in MLB or more likely like Class A fucking baseball. That would potentially lead to at least maybe a little bit of restructure for pay to allure these guys into your farm system, just because you you do need to have bodies in fucking some of these uh, in those lower le- like stages. So I think it, it's not life changing money, that's for sure. And also, there's a chance that a lot of these guys also see these NIL deals give them a little bit more money to keep them in college that they end up finishing school even and go, oh fuck, I'm not gonna make it. In in the, even the minors potentially, I'm not even gonna. I'm not. I, I'll play baseball through in college and end it there. This is all speculative. I did not do as much research on the numbers on this one. I will say that, where I think it's more, as I said, speculative. Where I'm looking more in the deeper rounds of a of the baseball MLB draft rather than you know your first five rounds, even ten rounds. I think the ten round, uh, what I saw the signing bonus was tenth rounds like 150k. But you may weigh three, four more years in college of, you know, 10, 20K a year of that steady money plus a potential education where you don't know if you're going to be able to make it. 
it I, I, I feel like I f- a bold assumption on ten to twenty K. I, I feel like say, if you're yeah. if you're a if you're a college baseball player who's commanding ten to twenty K in NIL money, because nobody's paying like like Sam said, a quote unquote base salary like they are for football or basketball and baseball. At that point, if you're making that kind of money, you're getting drafted. You're you're a top you're probably a top five round draft at the very least top half of the draft now. And and that at that point I would take my chance. You know, if, I, if I'm in the first five rounds, fuck it, bye. I had a, had a fun two, three years in college, but I have a chance to go play double-A ball immediately, and that's a good, uh, you know, if you can start out in double-A ball, then that's a good path to, to the majors in a few years if you can, you know, swing it. Uh, I will say, I will add this before I let Sam get into this and join this. The one caveat that I am finding now that I'm looking at that really almost sells my take as well is the scholarship there so you get 27 scholarship players in baseball but you only have 11.7 are you looking at this business college of sports article i just knew that (laughs) Ah. that's that's pretty well known in college baseball that like the scholarship it's it's hard to keep guys just because the scholarships are all weird you have to like give scholarships to uh, you know, you got to try to recruit stars. You got to recruit guys who know they're not going to play, that are going to play most nights, but know they're not going to get a scholarship. You got to recruit pitcher, bullpen pitchers who are never going to see a cent of university money. <laughs> Shit's tough. Yeah. So, I mean, I still, I still think it'll definitely impact some decision making from people for sure. Um, but the people in like the first five, ten rounds, if they're getting drafted, they're probably going. I that's, I think that's easy. You, you're immediately not guaranteed a roster spot per se, but if you're like in the t- first 10 rounds, nine people play on the field. I mean, that's not obviously you're going to go straight into class A or double A and get a playing spot, but like the probability of the people you're competing against even on the same team shrinks quite a bit. Now, the later picks, I think, will be what in- is impacted, which will then, I think, lead to some of that, I mean, maybe class A affiliates start to shut down. I, I really highly doubt that, but like I think there will be definitely some negative impact to the minor leagues plus they're already dealing with just a shit ton of negative press about minor league conditions as well that are not fixed yet even though they've helped out a little bit over the past year or two so i I think there will definitely be they're part they have their own players agreement now that kind of mirrors what the mlb has just yeah i know it got updated and helped a bit but i don't think it's still just perfect now I, so I, I still think it'll impact it somewhat, and it may be for some of those. You may be like the star player for some smaller college that does get enough NIL deals where you are willing to stay versus go where you think you might not make it past your like first couple years in minor league ball. So I, I just... I can't quite sell myself on really any aspect of it, man. I hate to say it, but I like this this hypothetical like player who this does apply to, which I feel like we've already narrowed down to like a very almost one-off set of circumstances. I, don't, I can where, count them on like my hand, my where this is going to happen. Right? Like if we're we're going to say that there is somebody who is in that I don't know twelfth, fifteenth <laughs> round projection. Uh, 
probably you know is extremely good at baseball on whatever scale you want to <laughs> put that. Like obviously they've gotten this far. They're the star of their I don't know maybe mid major, maybe low major, or maybe like low P five type. No, no, yeah, Big program. Ten baseball basically. <laughs> like, yeah, like just somewhere where you know they're Shitty they're just Big out Ten there baseball. on the grind. Nobody cares. But maybe, like, you know, they're the best guy. Do, do the students on that campus even know who the hell they are? Like, maybe? I'm not that confident. If so, do they really have the pull to bring in NIL money? It, it, like, And even, obviously, you said it's not going to be life-changing money, but even something like ten grand. Like, I feel like if you're this kid, you probably have the dream still of, I want to be a major leaguer. That's what I'm working towards. Or you already had ruled that out mentally, probably one or the other. Most likely you still have that dream. You're still going to go pursue that and and try your hand in the minors, regardless of of if you can cash a check from a local car dealership for 10 grand or not, and kind of get you by your your junior and senior years or whatever. Like, I I just think it's, it's going to be, if we can scrape up this money, which I personally don't really believe, I still don't think it's consequential enough to change their decision for most players and and god knows not enough to threaten like the existence of single a like the single a, the reason i mean guys uh, have put up with the dog shit uh, working conditions that minor leagues have had to offer for a long long time and it's not just be for the same reasons people work at mcdonald's that just oh shit i gotta pay the bills it's because they want that specific job like i want to work my way up i i think i'm good enough to become like a, a big time baseball player, so I'm gonna go pay my dues and put in the work until I get there, and that's gonna still be the same motivating factor for damn near every single player this could possibly apply to. I would like to live in a world where this take is accurate, Colin. I think it'd be great, but I, I just don't see it at all. Yeah, I could put ten grand in my NIL money and say, okay, well this will pay rent and it'll pay some of my books and fees because I'm a non scholarship player because they only have eleven point seven scholarships for a roster of like I actually I don't even know how big a college baseball roster is these days. But I'm sure eleven point seven scholarships doesn't go very far in film. Uh twenty six or twenty seven I just read. Okay. Well So I will say that thing that's why I said this one I didn't I make... look at the numbers as much on. I did look at the sort of statistics of inherited runner percentage to scoring more so. And I did not know the 11.7. I knew in call, like college football that they have a fuck ton of scholarships, but not everyone makes it. But that's like walk-on territory versus people getting more, like the the partial scholarship percentage shit to college baseball, which I will say I think does – sell my own take i will admit to that he's i mean that's so fine if I, if I can make if i can I, I don't know what a minor league what a single a player makes if i make 35 grand a year okay well then they're paying for my meals and my boarding during the season which is half the year over half the year and then i can go home and live with my parents until i get an apartment somewhere during the off season <laughs> and not have to go to class and get to play the game i love and not have some uh, shit ass college coach yelling at me even though he couldn't swing it in the major leagues and that's and that's why he's coaching college ba- college baseball now um so looking at minimum salaries for rookie ball which isn't even high class a um it is now going to be 19.8k a year plus room and board i guess but still that's piss poor 
Um, high class A will be 2730, 2730, so 27,300, sorry. Um, double A, same, like, minimum. And then triple A, the minimum's 45,800, which that's still not great, but, like, that's livable with having your living, like, uh, arranged for. So I... It's rough. I still think, I mean, different to- sort of tangent, but minor league conditions are still dog shit. Um, and I think it is almost capitalizing on dipshits believing in themselves too much into a level of delusion. But that's an argument for a different day. One more step lower. There are there are players who they run out of eligibility in college. They're not ready to be done and go play with some unaffiliated league just to try to keep the dream alive. Happens all the time. All right, well, let's save my third take for next week. Yes. I think that is... <laughs> oh, I no think, balls. I, well, I'm looking at the time here, guys. Oh, fuck it. We, can call, so, we can call this episode Colin's Takes. Okay, this one... Well, this one I think would be the easiest slow Colin's pitch of all time shit. where we all agree. Oh, um, don't be so sure wait, about that. I thought I, that too. <laughs> I, I, I think this one... I th- if, if everyone doesn't agree, I, I would be shocked. Um... The auto automated robot strike zone needs to be implemented next year. No. Disagree. I think if you're making your changes like they did this year with the pitch clock, the automated strike zone has been in lower lower class than the minor leagues, and it is they still have an ump behind the plate for some of that shit. It is I I mean, I know the major issue is like sort of your uh breaking balls, but I, I feel like at this point it's going to be close enough to good that you cannot be dealing with fucking whoever rung up who I still have as bum of the week uh, later for this Cabrian Hayes on a sinker that he called a ball in the same fucking location like two pitches before fucking it up and calling the game on it. Like I think the automated zone is good enough to bring it to the majors and you can still tie it in somewhat with actual home plate ump calling some shit. I'll hold my tongue on this for a minute because I'm very, very curious what Sam has to say. All right, yeah, fuck it. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and offer my take first. So I, it's unfortunately a little, a little weak, I guess, but I would say I'm almost neutral here. I, A, am not, like, educated in enough detail as I would like to be to make, like, a strong, to take a strong stance on this as to how it's been going in the minors. Like, I don't really know for sure if it's been damn near seamless or if there's been, like, some real kind of bumps in the road, growing pains, shit like that. I see what Colin was saying, that, like, you know, they went ahead and said, balls to the wall, we're we're banning the shift, you know, we're doing the pitch clock, you might as well get on with it. Uh, You know, as as Stringer Bell once said, get on with it, motherfucker. But uh, (laughs) I I think... uh, you, like you can you can go ahead and, and and do that if it's if it's ready to implement sure go for it i i don't really know if it is but it, it, i i hate myself for the take but i don't feel that much urgency towards it because like Colin's sitting here saying it'll be close enough to good and like i'm not I, don't mistake me as pro umpire but i mean you can make the damn same argument for them as being close enough to good that's pretty much the the standard they try to hold themselves to all the time. Um, I don't it's know. I thing, mean, 
I think there's some sort of blend that could occur. It's one thing when Joe West fucks up a fucks up a a strike zone. It's another thing when the fans feel that they were slighted by a computer. I think a a good umpire doesn't necessarily have the perfect strike zone. A good umpire has a consistent strike zone. So some umpires are a little looser, some are a little tighter. But if they're calling the game consistently, tight or loose, or high or low or whatever. You're, you're, I think they're doing a, a fine enough job as long as they're consistent from side to side. Now, I've, I can't, I don't have the statistics. I don't have anything tangible other than what I've perceived. I've perceived this season that I'm seeing a lot more good um, umpire report cards, and maybe that's just because I'm only seeing the good ones and I'm not seeing the bad ones. But it just seems to me like. There was a lot of lot more bitching about umpires in previous years than what I have seen or heard this year. No, some would say they're scared of their jobs getting taken. Well, you're asking them to do a whole hell of a lot besides just being an umpire. Now we're asking them to be experts on sticky su- on foreign substances. <laughs> no, I'm not saying you take the umps out. That is not what I said. I said there would still be a home plate umpire in in the minors. They've even had fucking no, literally saying, a challenge like, system to the robo ump, which I don't think that needs exactly brought up. But AAA has robo umps right now. Strikes and balls, I don't think, is the problem with 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 umpires i think you keep adding more and more in with like foreign substances and how much rosin is too much rosin and all this other bullshit where the fuck are you getting this i'm not saying that is a part of what is needed it's for the strikes you take some of that shit back away they can focus more on strikes and balls and not be thinking about everything else at at a billion times every pitch Umps what? were ass were worse before the i feel like the sticky substance checks but they wouldn't be doing like it's not because they're doing the sticky substance checks that they're suddenly fucking more dog shit at their job. They've actually, as you were sort of saying, you've seen better ump cards since then. Like it's just they're if they already have it in AAA, which they have it for sure this year. If not, I know they've had it in the minors for a couple years in some forms of the minors. I don't know which stages. Get it the fuck in there. Get. The dog shit umps that you still employ in there, C.B. Buckner still gets fucking jobs. I know that's, again, nitpicking particular umps, but all the umps still don't have have blind spots within their zones, which aren't okay. I don't care if they want to call. Like, I don't care if they're consistent calling a strike like an inch or two off the plate on the outside every time. That's still dog shit and not okay. I shouldn't be looking at the ump scorecards and seeing this weird, just random-ass shape as their expected zone, which still entails outside of the zone, or even excluding some of in the zone. You you don't see them remotely. You don't see even the good umps have shapes that are still remotely close to the squares. And I know that's nit, like super nitpicky at in, with some instances. There are some good umps still out there. I, I like not still out there like they're a fucking dying breed. There are still good umps with good zones, but why not take fucking some of that out of there from them? They some of them still have bad fucking zones or consistently bad calls. They can still all have a consistent zone all game and still it be a bad fucking zone. So you're like I get the consistency, but if they're calling you know the low you know the low outside corner where it's still hitting the zone a strike all game, like good job you called a strike where it should be a strike all game. Even though some pl- players might disagree, they can go look at it later and go, oh fuck, I'm the one wrong. 
just like umps can do it too, but they can't take it back and unfuck a player. A player can forgive an ump like after looking at it better than an ump can fucking apologize to a player after a game for a fucked up zone. So all seriousness aside for a minute, do you think baseball fans like it? Like, do you think baseball fans end up getting bored when they can't be outraged at shitty strike calls? Like not, um, like, do you think, do you think like I, average I be baseball a, Twitter fan gets bored? Honestly. <laughs> I would be a little I, exasperated by it, which is embarrassing to say, but I, I like getting to feel angry and victimized <laughs> at times. Yeah, but I'm yeah, but it gives you an excuse not to blame your own team. I get that, but fucking take it away. I'm not I'm not singling out the White Sox. I'm talking in general there. Um, but why why not make it better? Just like you know, the NFL needs to figure out a better spotting method than bringing out the fucking chains. Like we're getting to the point that the tech is there. Implement it. Make it better. There are examples in other sports where the tech that you easily know that could be similarly used or is can be used the same way can be implemented for the sport at hand. And the robo zone is one of those being utilized in lower in the minor leagues and should be able to make its way to the MLB at worst in the next two years. When I win the lottery like a hundred times in a row and buy my own, when I go buy the Oakland A's, uh, I'm going to sign a roster that that's whole like the whole point is to break the automated pitch call system <laughs> like short players like like incredibly just like weird weirdly shaped players that are just gonna break your your automated strike zone <laughs> i mean they're even i'm i'm even reading an ap article right now saying that the delay between robo ump getting it to the earpiece of an ump is like no almost no hint no major like no like slow delay even a couple seconds like it's quick enough that you might like you almost couldn't tell so bring it the fuck in just like you should obviously like i I sort of tangent into football there too how soccer has such minute inability to track the ball or players positions for offsides all that shit these other like the american sports almost want to leave it in the hands of these refs and umps to create the controversy to not to excuse almost their shittier product that they refuse to just want to implement better hey man outrage is great for radio i know i get that but (laughs) i i get that but it shouldn't make it okay all right, so this has been a very take-heavy podcast. Um, I'm going to recap our betting very quickly. Uh, Colin is doing like amazingly well this month. I am doing very poorly this month, and Sam is a fucking sharpshooter where he wins everything he bets on, even though it is few and far between uh, through the month of May. Uh, I wanted to jump through that really quick because I think we want to talk about basketball for at least a little bit. Um you know, I gave you guys the assignment of making me care about basketball, and you guys couldn't do it. But you know what? The Miami Heat Boston Celtics series has made me care a little bit, at least about playoff basketball this year. Well, because arguably, Adam Silver, and that's that's good script writing, sir. 
Arguably, we don't care about regular season basketball enough to get you interested. So we don't like, feel bad for not. That, we don't feel bad for not getting you. It hooked, wasn't pal. even we a good hooked. series. It was just one good game. But you know what? I I thought the Celtics could do it every game. I didn't bet on them every game because I wasn't going to do that. I bet on the Heat at least once, but I did take the Celtics when they won that one. But uh, yeah, I, I, care yeah, a I feel bit. like I might you watch. actually sniped the NBA pretty well. The NBA Finals this year, which would be. Not quite a first for me, but a first where I'm not just sitting with somebody who is watching it. It happens. Yeah, Dylan, happens you're actually through. quite up on NBA playoffs. You are just very down in MLB, which uh, last last month Colin would uh, understand, but this month Colin he doesn't get that. He's like, why not bet better? Before before <laughs> I turn it over to Sam to talk basketball i do want to mention my ugly and this is because this one felt bad to do when i put two units down on the astro spread because they were minus 200 on at a one and a half point spread versus the fucking a's did i they won that calling one that out bad yeah <laughs> that was <laughs> they, hey hey payday's a payday but that felt bad uh, no i agree but i hate that logic when people use it to just <laughs> And and yours is an outlier incident or instance where you don't go that fucking egregious all the time. But I I see fucking accounts on Twitter going, oh look we won this many units where they also inflate the unit count so fucking like this ten unit bet on a neg two hundred and it's like I would fucking hope so. You're like you're making a brain dead pick where it's just like eh, like you're not take. there's no. There's no critical thinking into it other than I want to bet the fucking favorite. And the only way that is acceptable is if you're, like, parlaying, like, two, neg 200, neg 300 to get them down to about even odds. That's the, like, outside of the rare instance where you do it rarely, which you have. Now, if you kept doing this shit and I kept seeing neg 200 odds on your shit, I would probably start criticizing it more than my one time going, that's sort of fucking disgusting. Okay, Sam, take us away on conference finals and your experiences with that. All righty, happily. Um, so, for starters, um, I, I would like to pour one out for the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, who were eliminated at long last. Fucking love to see that. Uh, fuck LeBron James. Fuck Anthony Davis. That's about the long and short of them. Shout out to Denver for taking care of business, not really making me sweat it. Four-game sweep, pretty nice. They showed what to do when you get up 3-0 is actually go fucking win again. Uh, Miami could have taken a few notes from them. They definitely let shit get interesting again, but uh, were able to take care of business and make me some money in Game 7. That Heat Celtics series was honestly a hell of a series, though. Like, Obviously, everybody, probably all of us, certainly myself, we're writing off the Celtics down three to fucking zero because nobody has ever come back from that. There have been a few teams who did what Boston ultimately did, uh, got it to seven and then couldn't get it done. Pretty funny to kind of see them join the company there, but it was interesting kind of watching like them, you know, the heat had a stranglehold on that series. And then Boston just kind of came out and looked like they were the better team for three straight games. And, and And like Miami blew it all, like just pissed it all away. And it's like they lost (laughs) how to they lost how to play as a team to start that series because the Heat were playing as a team real well. And then yeah, games four through six they realized how to play as a team again. And then game seven, I I don't think I think Tatum rolling his ankle on the fucking first one of the first plays is a big excuse available to him, and they should take it in some 
degree, but everyone else also just... Derek White played well. Fucking Jalen Brown shit down his leg, especially after saying he was one of the best two-way players if, in the fucking league, if, Boston, if not the best. If Boston has literally any other coach, do they do they make that more competitive? Uh, not if they have Doc <laughs> Rivers. <laughs> um, they, they, but, yeah, they would. Yeah, they would have swept. He was outmatched. He was outmatched with Eric Spolstra for sure. And it, it would be interesting if they had their, uh, if they even had their coach from last year, Ime Udoka, uh, <laughs> who has his own misgivings. But he, he knew how to coach him to the finals. I could have seen him winning that series. I mean, he did beat that Heat team last year, if my memory serves me right, in, in the postseason. In Game Seven, yeah, uh, Jimmy Butler okay. missed like an open three to tie it. Uh, I, that's kind of coming back to me now. Yeah, you're right. Uh, shout out to Jimmy Butler. He did step up. He didn't have uh, like he didn't go ape shit the back half of this series the way he did early. And obviously, he was kind of getting exalted through the first couple rounds as he was kind of the carrying force for Miami. It, he didn't really necessarily have the team on his shoulders towards the end of the conference finals. Uh, but he at least was able to step up, hit a few jump shots, which is a little rare for him these days in Game 7 to help keep the momentum on their side when Bam Adebayo had no fucking interest in that. Um, Caleb Martin went to hell of a showing, though. Like It's impressive with Miami, man. There's just any number of, of role players on that roster that they have developed pretty much from nothing to being significant contributors on a finals team. Have we? Can we talk about how Eric Spolstra seems to have eliminated all of the locker room cancer out of Jimmy Butler? Because like, yeah, there, I mean, didn't he didn't he used to be known for being like, "There's no way you can build a team around this guy," or you know, he's just sort tear of apart but, from the inside. Sort of yes, but what has almost happened, and, and this is credit to Spolstra and and the Heat organization, the culture they have there. As much as it makes me want to gag to say that. Um, but it, it, part of it almost just feels like with time the the narrative is almost shifting from was Jimmy Butler really the problem in Chicago he probably could you know he could have handled shit better in terms of how he treated the young guys but the fact of the matter is our front office decided we needed to pick between him and Fred Hoiberg and we picked Fred Hoiberg we sent him to Minnesota and he's got a problem with Carl Anthony Towns, and he wants out of town there. Years later, Carl Anthony Towns hasn't proven him wrong at all. The Timberwolves still can't do shit. You know, Jimmy goes to Philadelphia. He he, damn near he was one bad fucking bounce on that Kawhi Leonard shot. If Kawhi Leonard doesn't make that shot uh, in, in OT, I think of the game seven of that second round series in 2019 to take Jimmy's Sixers out of the playoffs. There's a damn good chance they win the finals that year, and the entire like current landscape of the NBA is different if things unfold that way. But that's not how they went down, and they ended up maxing Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. Jimmy goes to Miami um, and finally kind of has found what is a good culture fit for him in terms of being like very intense, very like high accountability environment is kind of what he has always tried to create, and that's kind of how Miami does business. Uh, so uh, to a degree, like you could say Eric Spolstra has, has removed that locker room cancer aspect from Jimmy Butler, but it, I kind of think, A, it was overstated to some degree coming in, and B, it's just kind of like a, a match made in heaven where they fit well together and kind of like emphasize one another's strengths. 
Hell, in all reality, I can't even remember the situation. I don't know if it was this season or last season. Colin, you might know what I'm talking about. But wasn't there some video of like the, like the Heat players on the bench like getting it? Like, what didn't Jimmy and Udonis Haslam almost get in like a fucking fight in the bench area at some point? I can't even remember why. But it's just like I guess both of those guys just kind of are willing to put one foot in front of the other and get back to business and more or less Jimmy can bring his personality to the heat and they know how to handle it whereas that just wasn't the case so much in other organizations you can draw whatever conclusion how that reflects on him versus how it reflects on the different teams and cultures um, in in the mix here but honestly for me it's hard to argue with success and I feel like they have just given him the chance he needed to thrive as opposed to them fixing him Okay. Yeah, so, so you are correct. It was Jimmy and Udonis like a week ago to a year. Like it was March 24th. At least this was posted. Um, I, I, I'm I pretty sure in this instance, Jimmy was probably bitching about something, but also Udonis Haslam deserves no right to ever speak as a player. Yes. Like, dude, uh, that's a whole different thing. I fucking hate Udonis Haslam. I hate the yeah. Miami Heat fans just like i hate ucf it's from living in florida especially when the thunder were playing them in the finals that i fucking hate that team so much but jimmy butler i i like to hate on in some instances but i do respect as well where i don't i mean he he shit down he nearly shit down his leg for for them yeah. uh, at i mean bam out of bio would have taken i think equal amount of hateful like just the brunt of it because he had a worse performance game to game when the ones they were losing but also jimmy butler has you know the more uh history of you know calling cat a pussy which he may not be wrong but you also can't go blow be the first team ever to blow a 3-0 lead and not catch a shit ton of flack for which he didn't i still don't think uh i still don't care for him too much but i respect him and I think there, there's definitely a difference in that of just hating on a player because they're a cocksucker as well as being a piece of shit on the court. Like, LeBron has entered that where he's just sort of a prick to deal with on and off the court with just the egregious, like, whining like a bitch on the court and being a preachy cock, sucking his own, stroking his own cock off the court where he's become hateable on both facets. Jimmy's... I don't res- like I don't like off the court and some of his antics here and there. Although I do like the whole coffee thing from the bubble, um, but all but also on the court, you know, he he's calling Cat a pussy previously, but you know, backs it up by making it to the finals twice now, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Like he may not be the best player, he's still a star and very good. But the attitude he brings within the team also helps the team enough to get through. Now, do I think that'll matter against the Nuggets? Fuck no. I think the Nuggets get a ring in, at worst, six games. But I, I do respect Jimmy Butler to a pretty high extent. So, Sam, I think that's all you, fair. Before we wrap would, this uh, one up, what do you make <laughs> of the NBA Finals matchup that we're about to see? Colin just gave his opinion. But if you'd yeah, like more you know, depth, you can. Unfortunately, I I do kind of agree with Colin. I feel like Denver is the better and more complete team than Miami. I also feel like Denver has been the most consistent team in the playoffs and arguably all season. Um, 
I, I'll be rooting for the Heat. It's nice for me that Denver is the team on the other side, so I don't feel like it's some you know good versus evil sort of finals where if Denver wins, I'm going to be like, God damn it, or whatever. But um, I, I think Denver in six, if I, if I had to guess. I think Miami will make it tough, probably win at least one of their two uh, guaranteed home games and, and maybe sprinkle in another win somewhere along the line. I could see Adebayo having some good defensive showings against Jokic. He's also, you know, there's going to be times where he gets cooked. There's really no defensive strategy so far that has worked on Denver. And as as good as Miami has, you know, a number of, of talented switchable defenders, like there's really only so much you can do with all the scoring, passing, and shooting that Denver has. So sadly, I, I, I think Denver probably takes care of business and, and wins the finals. So quickly, I'll say two things I think add up to why the Nuggets take care of business and take care of it quick-ish. The Heat going to seven, I think that matters a lot. If the Heat get through that with a gentleman sweep or some shit, it's a different ball game. They have a lot more momentum than just not choking the living fuck out of a series. Um, and as you said about Bam Adebayo, I think what's be- worked best for teams uh, defensively against Jokic and the Lakers did it a little bit. It's having two capable bigs, one playing primary and one lurking, uh, where they, instead of having AD cover Jokic, they were doing Rui for a bit with AD being a heavy, heavy help defender. The Heat don't have as capable of a backup big uh, on the roster to do that. Is it Zeller that's there? That would... yeah, it's Zeller, and their offense has been brutal when they right. had him on the court. And Zeller. you can't, you yeah, yeah, right, nice. Cody. Yeah, you cannot, you cannot put. You cannot have you him as your primary. Five bucks? What? Can you name his brother? Five bucks. Oh man, uh... I should know this, and I. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm putting... derailing us. That was a good put us on the spot one because I can't think of his name. Wait, and I'm which also one, which one played for Indiana was it Co- or am I thinking of some other motherfucker some other big white? Oh, uh, are sure you thinking Cody of the Indiana and the other one? Yeah, played Cody for Carolina, played for Indiana. Are you thinking of the Plumleys or some shit? Are you getting them mixed they in too? Good. Cody, no, Dylan, you're well, right. I know. I'm just Is talking Tyler. About, yeah, where Tyler did Tyler play? Oh North fuck, uh, North Carolina. North okay, because I I remember the fucking baby blues, but I, that's why I was <laughs> thinking. I oh. think I was also Tyler I remember, sounded I wrong Cody to me Zeller. because I think I was thinking of another Duke player, uh, right? Tyler Hansbro, Cody He's Carolina too. Cody Zeller. Oh, okay, was I on... was thinking of him though when he said Tyler. I was like, that can't be right. When Cody Zeller still had hair, he was on on the cover of ESPN the magazine when that still existed when wow. we were in high school. I did not know that. Yeah. All right. Um, but I don't think there is a way to put Zeller on Jokic as a primary and have Bam be like the help, which is sort of with the Lakers route. I don't like Zeller is not as athletic shocker as like Rui was, or even one of the other Lakers backup bigs to be like the primary that can eat the fouls potentially, but also be athletic enough to stay in front of him and help as allow the true good big on the team to be the help defender, maybe swatting or coming into the paint as help. I don't think the Heat have that available. It's not like Udonis is going to fucking, you know, pull off <laughs> his fucking time. warm-ups. <laughs> yeah, he's not pulling off the warm-ups. He doesn't deserve to be paid for what he's doing. So, fuck Honestly. Udonis Aslam. 
you might see him go to pretty much the strategy you're referencing with Jimmy Butler being the, the on-ball guy, but I, there's only so much they'll be able to do that, and like it'll limit what they get out of him on offense, and he's not you know, tall enough to really interfere. Yeah, he's, he's, he's too to, small. To play, to, to, so I think he's about the best bet they've got if you're putting Bam on the help side. I think he's the guy who's most capable of like actually making Jokic work for a, a few possessions at a time. And kind of banging with them down there, but like uh, overall, I, yeah, I agree. They don't have somebody to do that for seven games. Yeah, I, I, they might test it out, but I don't like Jokic is too good with the ball to have like a smaller defender be like quick enough, you know, to to maybe pop the ball loose here and there. And then on the, on the other side, Jimmy's going to guarantee that he needs help in the paint. Where and he's too small at that point then to be able to maybe clog up his vision and passing lanes, so and foul trouble too. Yeah, I mean, which obviously they showed that they don't have to have Jimmy being the best motherfucker scoring for him. They showed that, but I just don't think you know. uh, Is it Cody that's the Martin brother there, the Martin twin? Caleb Martin, Cody Zeller. Cody Martin's the other one, though, right? Yeah, Cody Martin. Okay, all right, cool. I w- a little bit. It, it, oh, he's, so were right. they both on the Hornets for a moment, or were they both on the they Heat? They were. They were both on the Hornets. I don't know if Cody is still there, or if he's landed somewhere the way Caleb did. I'm looking that one up. But, yeah, I, I just don't think – it says he's still a player for the, the Hornets. So, I, I just don't think they have an answer for Jokic, which obviously is a – a cheap thing to say. Oh, Cody Martin played seven games last year, so it looks like he's on his way out. Um, yeah, I think it's cheap to say you can't stop Jokic, but I think it's right to say they don't have a good option to even really slow him down. All right. Uh, so it sounds like we're pretty all high on the Nuggets. As much as I'd like to see the Heat win, which that kind of hurts to say, uh, I, I want the Nuggets nice. to win. The Heat the were the best, the best option to come out of the other side, in my opinion. But of the four teams that were left going in the finals, it was literally who I want to win was Nuggets. Heat and Celtics, honestly, in my mind, are a 50-50. Um, so I didn't really care too much. Um, but the Lakers were dead last, and it was by a fucking mile. So them being eliminated made the finals way better in my eyes. Alrighty, uh, in that case, any last words, gentlemen? Uh, does everyone yeah, want to yeah. squeak in a bum of the week? JP France, yeah. no explanation required. Yeah, my uh, my bum of the week would be cancer, um, and I would like to <laughs> shout out Liam Hendricks for officially defeating said bum of the week, getting back on the mound. Uh, it was pretty cool. Just uh, I believe it was last night he made his his debut for the. Sox. It was, and he he didn't pitch so great, but that's okay. It's not what we're here for. Uh, I also wanted I I talked to Colin about this a little bit, but I was hopping on the soapbox for a moment. Want to also shout out NBC Sports Chicago as I've done multiple times before, and Jason Benetti, Steve Stone, pros pros up there. They know how to handle the moment because Liam Hendricks is throwing his warm up pitches. Crowd starting to get excited. They kind of ring him in, introduce him as he's walking out of the bullpen. And from the moment he opens the bullpen door and starts jogging to the mound, they are good announcers and they know to shut the fuck up and let the moment breathe and let the crowd cheer for him and the cameras catch it and just uh, let everybody kind of soak in in that little moment and that that piece of 
you know, the crowd and the feel and all that good shit that makes baseball feel special from time to time. We got a little bit of that last night, so it was a nice little patch of brightness in the White Sox season. I figured I'd take an optimistic spin on Bum of the Week this week. Don't expect it from me again. Very fair. Oh, yeah, I, fi- I figured you might want to include Tim Anderson in Bum of the Week for now, now just... helping ruin his uh, uh, fucking appearance. So. Now just be <laughs> nah, glad t- Jeff Bagwell wasn't calling campaign. that game. Tim, I, I believe you mean Jackie Anderson, but wow. <laughs> all right, mine will just be. I'll, I'll keep it simple. I'll keep the other rant for another day. Cabrian Hayes, motherfucker, struck out four times in a game where I had the Pirates team total over three and a half. They ended on three, and he struck out in the eighth with like two runners in scoring position to end the inning, and then he decided to do it again in the tenth with the bases loaded, full count. And, of course, then the fucking reliever came in and let up a three-run bomb in the bottom side so they couldn't recover. But getting that sweet, sweet 4Ks, it's no Jake Berger, but it's still really fucking bad. So he is definitely my bum of the week for that performance. That annoyed the fuck out of me. All righty. And that will conclude our Garbage Sports Opinions for tonight. Go check out our Twitter, at 3PlanesSB. That's at the number 3, P-L-A-I-N-S-S-B. To keep up with our sports betting adventures and spreadsheet. And keep an eye out for future episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever the hell else you get your podcasts from. And we'll let you know, maybe we'll get a college baseball NIL collective together for Collins soon. And remember, quitters never win big, and big winners never quit. We're out of here. Love me some Clementines, though.